Hey there, my name's Mark McCartney and welcome to the What Is A Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, not to prescribe you with a universal answer, but to help you find and define your own answer to this question. On the 34th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Pablo Escorcia. Pablo is a Berlin-based entrepreneur, a Bia Danza teacher, yogi, consultant, and co-founder of Purpose in Motion a group serving others to live out their own purpose and provoking change filled with meaning. In this episode, Pablo shares with us elements of his journey of searching for his own path through integrating the practical world of business, ancient wisdom, and the integral world of yoga and dance. We discuss Pablo's current explorations of open relationships and what he has learned from past relationships too, the significance of owning and communicating our humanity, the fundamental importance of trust in personal and business relationships, and the role that Biodanza plays in remembering what it is to be human and exploring new ways of relating to one another. If you are struggling to understand and express your needs in relationships, if you want to enhance the level of trust and courageous conversations in your life, or you're seeking new modalities to help you reimagine a different future, this episode will give you plenty to contemplate. I really wanted to interview Pablo for this episode as I believe he is someone who is somewhat of a bridge between ancient wisdom and the, the modern world. I always take a lot from my conversations with him, as I'm sure you will from this conversation too. And if you enjoy this episode, please like, share and subscribe. And if you're on the podcasting platforms, please leave a review as I'd greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 34th episode of the What Is A Good Life podcast. Pablo, thank you very much for joining me here on the What Is A Good Life podcast today. As I, as I recall, the first time we talked was in a co-working space in Berlin a few years ago. And you're someone who I've always wanted to do this interview with because you always seem to be so full of aliveness and life. And uh, <laughs> these are the type of conversations that I want to capture with people. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Mark, for the invitation. As I tend to kick these conversations off with Pablo, it's with the question of, is there a question you're trying to answer as you move through life? Oh, yes, plenty. More than one, usually at, at the same time, which, uh, <laughs> but, but now, especially now, I am very intrigued about uh, human relationships, especially uh, when talking about partnerships and and different ways or constellations to see how um, relationships and loving relationships could be um, lived out. So I am in a, in a moment in my life where I feel that I am uh, able to challenge these old traditions of how loving relationships should be structured and I'm opening myself to new and, and exciting ways of, of relating. So this is the question that I'm asking myself right now. Could you elaborate on that, please, Pablo? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I come, so I was born in Colombia. And, and yeah. Colombia is in South America in general. It's, it's a very traditional continent in, in regards to family. So family is, is the nuclear family. We, we, we are brought up. With the, and look and seeing everyone else in our context, uh, trying to to create this this mother family children structure to keep it working and and to bring it forward. And and what I have seen, even though this is somehow the default mode of relating and creating families in Colombia, I personally I was always very um, um, I, I was always questioning 
this this tradition and this only one way of structuring a family um and luckily enough i was um able to to live colombia and establish myself here in berlin and and starting to uh, be influenced by other ways of understanding how loving relationships could be lived out um and here in berlin there is plenty of of influence of of many different you know what i mean many yeah, different yeah. Uh, 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 constellations um of loving constellations not only monogamic and very structured way of doing it but in a in a much fluid way and and right now especially in my life this is the point where i find myself is uh, trying to uh, challenge these old beliefs and opening myself towards uh, this new or alternative ways of of living out loving relationships which has been a a beautiful gift and a challenge as well because challenging old beliefs is is not always pleasant it's it's really interesting you bring this up because mm. i th i think it's it's amazing how little movement seems to happen in this area of investigating what like are there other ways i look we live in berlin it's a it's a it's a it's a melting pot of all different ideas especially when it comes to the idea of uh, relationships and different things like that but it is it's so interesting to me that there can be so much resistance to this idea of challenging and um, structured beliefs when the current model doesn't seem to work very well from a mm -hmm. you know a, a marriage divorce perspective if, mm -hmm. if you get me and then even even within that because i don't think it's just good relationship stay together bad relationship divorce it's there seem in the way in which we relate to each other there seems to be a lot of i don't know dissatisfaction or mm -hmm. a lack of communication or a lack of and this like you know this doesn't this isn't predicated on the model of relationship you're in but i see when i talk to friends about their relationships there's a real lack of just saying what you think and what you feel mm -hmm. so what even whatever about the structure of the relationship i don't know i i think this the, how we relate is such an interesting question and a fundamental one um yeah. and 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 this is Uh, uh, this is a process that is happening since the moment we are born not if not before and it goes on this this uh, being acculturized or being part of a culture or being learning how to be part of a culture how to be part of a society is something that is is an absolutely key in order to have a good life now connecting it to the the main topic of this podcast yeah, yeah. and and as as you say the um, there are traditional ways that we have somehow implemented and and institutionalized and and this is one of the trying to answer your question it, this is one of the points that i have seen is that for example here in germany um, people that are married they have more tax exemptions than people that are single so i i earn exactly the same uh, amount of money as my married uh, business partner does And at the same time, and, and even though that's the case, I am paying a little bit more taxes than he is because he is in a married 
relationship and then they have some joint uh, the, the the tax authorities here in berlin they see them as a, as a familiar unit um yeah. and they become ex ex exceptions um yeah which i don't receive in my case so there is an, an an element of institutionalization that happens there that somehow in order for us to be able to to live out in certain societies we are incentivized to to relate Uh, to one another in in specific ways, um, and and yeah, it is it is somehow we have seen that in order for us to function well as as human beings, we need some kind of support. And before this, the, the communities and the tribes were the ones who were providing that support, were providing the possibility for children to be brought up in in a communal way. Um, we are way past that. And, and normally, in, in especially Western societies, we, we transform the nuclear family, so mother, father, children, into the basic unit uh, in which we organize in, in, in society. And then the, the responsibility of bringing up ch children falls down to the parents, and which is, of course, logical. Of course, of course parents need to be involved in, in bringing up children, but at the same time, Being a father myself and having a lot of um, parents around me, I know that it can be overwhelming. Uh, even yeah. being two, it can be overwhelming to bring up uh, one child. So, again, I'm very curious uh, to explore different ways of relating, different ways of, of living out loving relationships that are not necessarily institutionalized that are going against the mainstream of, of where a lot of people are going and at the same time i fully agree with you that it, it makes sense because the traditional ways of relating they don't have a very great rate of success i i, I let's put it like this in in terms then of of what you're saying then what with what you're exploring at the moment Like when you, whatever format of relationship you're looking at, like what are you, what are you seeing that's kind of lacking in the way that we, we relate? Like how are you investigating from your experience in life? Like what, what can we do? What can we do better, I guess? Ooh, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, is honesty, transparency and, and, and open communication. Uh, yeah. and, and you mentioned that before. I... I am 46 years old, so I'm, I'm, I'm not very young. I'm also not very old, but I, I think that I'm in, in, a, in, a, in a moment in my life where I, where I have made mistakes in the way that I related before. I've learned, and now I'm trying to implement what I have learned. One of the biggest mistakes that I've made in the past when trying to explore this alternative ways of relating or, or just being in a, in a monogamous uh, relationship Is, is trying to hide, try, trying to hide my, my desires, my wishes, my needs, and trying to accommodate myself to, to the situation guided by fear, fear of losing that relationship. And, and I believe that that's, that has been disastrous. For me, in my own relationships, I've been... I've gone through a lot of moments of suffering and created suffering uh, as well in my partners because of my lack of transparency, honesty, and open communication. So now that I have been, now that I've learned, now that I have the opportunity to do it differently, 
this has been my first priority every time with my partner. I have a long-term relationship. I am in a long-term relationship. And at the same time, we, we have been able to, to feel that relationship with meaning regarding openness. So what does openness mean, mean for us? Which is a, um, a very, has been a very important topic of conversation for us. Um, because openness can mean very different things. Opening a relationship can mean very different things. Uh, and it depends on the relationship, on, on the two people that are part of that relationship and, and the meaning that we give to that, to that definition of opening a relationship. So, um, what I have learned is that the, the more honest, straightforward, and transparent I can communicate my, my needs, wishes, and desires to my partner. And, and be open to receive my partner's wishes, needs, and desires. What I have learned is that that instead of creating separation, that creates more empathy, rapport, hmm. and um, and the feeling of togetherness. Uh, yeah. I, I have learned to acknowledge my own humanity, and and my partner's humanity as well when when talking about needs wishes and desires um so i think that the the, the way that we courageously communicate what we want and what we need is an absolute key to have good relationships to build good relationships to sustain good relationships and, and eventually again to, to live a good life Oh man, you're saying uh, you're saying so many things here that I think are so fundamentally important that I don't think people even realize what like I don't think we examine how we relate anywhere near close enough. Mm. And once again, irrespective, like I'm I'm not presently in an open relationship, but what you've just said there is so fun. And who knows what the future like who knows what the future will bring in terms of what my wife or what I want as we, as we move through life together. Um, but what you've just said there is so important in terms of, I don't think people realize anywhere near as much how much fear is driving their behavior in relationships. Hmm. When you said that to me there, I think you hit an old wound in me, <laughs> Pablo, because this first relation, this is the first relationship I'm in where there has been a really high level of transparency and honesty. And it, it makes me think of a lot of scenarios before where so much of my decisions and how much I would accommodate for somebody else was driven from fear of losing somebody, was driven from fear probably of being seen. And then this, this expression you have of acknowledging our own humanity, I, I could throw a million self-projections on, <laughs> on top of that. Yeah. But, but that like that kind of sense that it's I, I think we carry so much shame in relationships for what I'm starting to see now is a very impersonal um, imprint of what it is just simply to be human. Hmm. And we have this almost perfect idea of how one should be in a relationship, what your thoughts should be, what you should want, desire, all of these things. And they don't seem to correlate or fit very uh, succinctly with what the actual experience is of being a human being. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there, there's some. I think you've said some really big things there. Mm -hmm. And I just want to clarify something, Mark, because 
this is what I'm saying about straightforward, honest, open, transparent communication is useful not only when you're trying to open up a relationship. Yeah, it's, 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 it's also useful when you want to keep it. That's, uh, it's, it's very useful to create a, a, a safe and sacred space within the relationship. And then what, what do yeah. we do with that? It's, it's up to the, the couple. It's up to the people in the relationship. So it can be to open up a relationship. It can be just to close it down even further, which is if it is what, what the, the people involved in that relationship want. But still, is is how do we really own our humanity, wishes, desires, needs, and, and are courageous enough to, to put it out there? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. because... I really think uh, fear, and I know I've said fear already, but the shame as well of um, how mm. people, I think people are really constricted by how they feel they're supposed to be. And this this goes just even their relationship with themselves and other areas of life as well. Mm. But particularly in, in, um, in intimate relationships with a partner or a lover, like I think there's a lot of shame that people experience. And, mm. and if, if you can ever express that to your partner, man it's so liberating whatever you guys decide to do with that but yeah it's just because i think we're depriving ourselves of i don't know about from your experience but we're depriving ourselves of the privilege of being fully seen and loved mm -hmm. by somebody else which is which is in a way a, a paradox isn't it because we say that we love someone and, and and someone else says that they love us and still we're afraid to 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 show ourselves fully yeah um, so th there is something there that is is not right. There is something there that could be healthier. Let's put it like this. Um, yeah. And I believe that that learning to have better conversations with your intimate partner partners um, is is one key to to create nurturing uh, relationships that are, as I was saying at the beginning, are, are a foundational aspect of us reimagining society. So in order for mm. us to be able to reimagine society, we need to be able to reimagine and open the spectrum of, of the types of loving relationships that we could have. That's, um, that's, also, um, that's also pretty substantial, I think, because I, mm. I do believe... You know, whether it's relationships with our parents, with our lovers, with our siblings, with our friends, I I do believe getting to this level of because usually when we talk about intimacy, we, we consider a, a partner first. Right. But mm -hmm. there's intimacy just in relating. Right. And so I think when you feel safe enough to be yourself, that's where I think ideas can come from that you now have the confidence or the, the, I don't know, you feel secure enough to express them. Because I, th I think so much of our, why we get so stuck in the same patterns all the time is because people don't, they don't want to expose themselves. They don't want to be seen. But this, this paradox that you mentioned as well is, is so, like, it's almost so delicious. Like the mm -hmm. idea that, you know, you really feel that somebody loves you. And you still won't share with them who your full self. Like mm -hmm. That's that's amazing, isn't it? And and uh, there's no judgment on it because I've Jesus, we've I've all done been it many, there many times. Of course, we've all yeah, been yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. 
And and it's interesting because I, I connected to to my work as a as a business consultant and and which within organizations, within teams, communication is, is always something that is mentioned as, as as something that at least could be improved, if not significantly improved, um, in order to create more effectiveness and, and well-being. And and still within organizations, we are struggling a lot of organizations a lot of teams i cannot speak for everyone but uh, most of the clients that that we that uh, that i support this is uh this is one topic where we spend a lot of time in is is how to improve the type of conversations that you're having with your teams especially with working with leaders how can you support your teams to develop their full potential uh, and and this is through conversations. And if if it's through conversations, that what are the type of conversations that you need to be having? How do you, as a leader, need to show yourself open and vulnerable in order for them to feel comfortable enough to be open and vulnerable, uh, to feel safe together? Because th- there is one thing, Mark, is that if we are not able to create a feeling of safety together, which is done through the type of conversations that we that we have with each other. We are hindering our ability to be creative and to be innovative because yeah. crea- creativity and innovation appear more often when people are feeling safe and relaxed, when people are feeling that the other ones are, are, are trustworthy and that they consider myself trustworthy. If I'm, if I'm afraid of showing completely myself, if I don't really trust the people that are in front of me, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to be as creative and innovative as I could be if the situations were different. Does that make sense? Oh, you're 100% Mm. speaking my language here. And it's, you know, I often think when we talk about communication, and even especially just when you brought brought in the the business world there, I often think we talk about it as this, um, you know, nice to have, or we bring in the idea of trust as a nice thing to have without realizing just how absolutely fundamental it is. If you wanted to, like, you know, we kind of talk about these and kind of things, oh, these are like fuzzy, lovely things. No, like just purely from a a point of view of realizing potential or surfacing more potential, I I don't understand how people think that they, they could actually be fully utilizing their resources and their capacities if everyone, not everyone, but if a lot of people are hiding what they are, hiding what they're mm-hmm. thinking, and then mm-hmm. even, even in the in the realm then of just like, if conflict is is needed, like if conflict is needed to address something, we have we're so afraid to argue. Like, you know, I I can I can have an argument or a fight with my wife, and it will be, it will be dealt with there. You know, we'll go to bed that night still embracing each other. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go mm-hmm. into too, too much of my details with my <laughs> wife after a fight, but but, but, you, but you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, there's still yes. intimacy. There's still love there. There's not, yes. like, we're not holding on to an argument we had eight hours ago because we communicate. We know why we got into the argument. We, we reflect mm-hmm. on what happened and we re- reflect on what needs have been met and not met and how we're individually feeling. And then this word conflict no longer has to be this personal thing where I'm trying to win or lose or and you lose. So I, I fully agree with you. I think there's so many areas in which like 
this this kind of communicating in both individual like you know personal relationships and the workplace it it's one of the biggest areas i think we have for growth and therefore optimism about the future in 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 my eyes yes within organizations and outside between organizations and outside of organizations and and now that is all about network building a lot of people are interested in this same thing is is the type of conversations that you need to have you need to be very effective on those um and it is, I, I connected to something that I first read in, in the Reinventing Organizations book from, from Lalou, which is one of the principles that he mentions about the second tier uh, organ, organizations is, is wholeness, is being able, and the way that I understand it is, is cre- that organizations need to create a space or can create spaces for people to appear whole. This means not only the, the professional me, but the whole me, the whole self that I bring. And, and how can teams invite each other to appear as whole as possible, as much whole as possible, um, in order for us to really build that trust, not only on, on the level of competencies, professional competencies, but on the level of humanity. Because at the end, a, a lot of the things that happen within, uh, uh, within organizations have to do with the quality of, of the human aspect of the relationships that we can build with one another. Uh, not necessarily how good we are at what we do, but how good we are at being together, at working together, at communicating together. This is an essential factor of, for success for any kind of organizations. And as you say, it's interesting to see how many of them still are seeing this as something that is on top of everything else or something that it would be nice to have, but, but we don't really spend all the resources and, t- and time that we should. Um, knowing that, as you say, I agree with you, that is a foundational aspect of teamwork, is a foundational aspect of building nurturing relationships, is a foundational aspect of of encouraging and incentivizing creativity and innovation. You know, it's it's interesting the way you framed it there, like that they see it as being um, important, like something on top. But like, I, I really see this as the root uh, of, of so much of um, performance problems and also the root of um, interpersonal difficulties, whether it's in or, in or outside of the workplace. And... You know, you touched on something earlier, which I think we really struggle with in general, um, just as individuals. So not even necessarily in a work or even in a a relationship context, but just a a willingness to also acknowledge our own humanity. Like, I, I think this is something that we... We really, we really kind of restrict ourselves so much by not being willing not being willing to look at like where may i have like flaws if you want to consider them that way or, or whatever it may be like how, what is my actual experience like of being a human how do i feel when i do certain things how do i feel when i don't do certain things and just i don't know there's something about getting a little bit comfortable with yourself in in even then to have the the capacity or the vocabulary to even share that with another human being and then by extension, then share that with maybe multiple people, whether that's relationships or in a, in a work setting as well. Because I think so much of what we're, we're holding on to is a, is a vision of ourselves that we, you know, that we struggle to, that we struggle to maintain 
and and then that's where a lot of these coping mechanisms come in by trying to create another version of ourselves that isn't really helpful to the relationships i think mm-hmm. yes um you were asking me, Mark, before we started the recording about uh, Biodanza and if I can share a little bit about uh, yeah, that, yes, the, the, type of work, the type of work that I do there. Because um, one of the ways of defining Biodanza is, is that it's a space, it's a, it's a system that supports us to remember what, uh, what, to be a, what is to be a human. And, sure. and remember, remember means being able to tap into this this wisdom that we already have in terms of of how to, for example in this case how to build nurturing relationships i, I believe that we have been um the, the culture that we have created it has been an amazing culture to achieve many many different things um techno- technological development is is one clear example of of how much this society has given us and at the same time, I do believe that that human relationships ha- have taken a, a back seat, um, and we have been prioritizing how to be effective, how to just move forwards, and not necessarily we're not necessarily as concerned about our own well-being, individual and collective well-being. Um, in in Biodanza, this is what we do. In Biodanza, we we use the body we use the movement we use situations of encounter to without any words without any spoken language so we just have these conversations through the the motion of our bodies and one of the beautiful things that i have learned through my 20 year old practice of of biodanza is that actually is is much much easier to to agree with someone when both parties are open and present with each other we can walk together even if we don't speak hmm. and if we have the lived experience of walking together to the same rhythm within the same emotionality connected uh, from from the body and from the soul then it's much easier to engage in a conversation with an open and honest disposition towards one another um so in in my work with biodanza what I see is that I am still learning myself, of course, but supporting others to learn how to create regenerative relationships, so relationships that are nurturing and increase the well-being. Um, that, as I was saying, because my main objective is to to support the creation of regenerative cultures within organizations, outside of organizations. Um, and, and the basis is creating people that know how to build these regenerative relationships in their own personal life. So this is, this is what drives me to keep dancing with, with people. Can you, can you explain then to, to people just um, maybe even the setting for what a, what Biodanza would look like in, in whether it's in or outside of organizations, just even in that moment between people and just what the, what the effect of just movement has. Uh, just for mm-hmm. people listening, I was, uh, unfortunately it was during the time of COVID, so I didn't get to do it in person with, uh, with Pablo, but I was blown away by just 
even some of the movements and the exercises that you put me through. And there's still things that I keep, I hold very dear to myself that my, um, that in my apartment that I'll often be doing different types of movements with my, whether it's with my wife, whether it's alone. And that Mm -hmm. I, I think there's something really fundamental that in a lot of our investigations, they can be still very mental. Like you could see a, a psychologist, a therapist, you could talk to people about it, a coach, what, whatever. And while those are you, while I'm not uh, saying they're not useful, there's a fundamental element I think that is really important that you're touching on here. Is this not just the embodiment, but the an expression uh, pre words and pre thought, which I think you, some mm-hmm. of your work taps into, which I find really fascinating. Yes, yes, I can I can share a little bit more details about the work that I do in biodanza. But before I do that, I, I fully agree with you. That is, there is a different difference between talking about something and actually embodying that something. And and in this case, I, I do acknowledge the and. We have been talking about this since the beginning of this conversation is how important it is to 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 have good conversations with the people that you're with so to talk about how do we want to relate to one another absolutely key and at the same time the, the experience of embodying that of of really being able to walk together with others being able to dance together with others to the same rhythm it it creates like a somatic anchor or somatic anchors this means it gives me the the lived feeling in my body of what does it mean to for me to be able to show myself in front of others and to be there for one another, which is 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 something that takes the experience deeper than just having it as a, as a mental cognitive understanding of something, yeah. And and it's supportive of us actually the the practice the embodying something. It is part of the learning process. Yeah, it is important to be aware of the things that that we need to change, but it's also important to practice this new this new coherence, these new ways of being. And biodanza is a space for us to practice. It's a laboratory for us to remember what does it mean to be a human, uh, and in this case specifically, what does it mean to build nurturing relationships. Having said that, then uh, biodanza. As, as you say, it can also be done online, and especially during the pandemic, this is what we discovered, that it actually works as well uh, online and, and uh, virtually, but normally it's done as an in-person practice. So people come together um, and we open a ceremonial space for, for awareness and transformation. So me as a teacher, my role is to create the feeling of safety and clarity uh, for people to start exploring through different exercises, different invitations that are the excuse to try out new different ways of relating with yourself, with others, and, and with the world. And, and through that practice, without words, just movement, just connection, just, just uh, and of course with music, because the music helps lower the deep defense mechanisms of our ego. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we are more open to explore, and through the through the regular practice of these explorations, a new way of being is embodied, that is much more aligned with with what we consider life affirming dynamics. So we 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 uh, we live lives that are more life affirming if if their resonance yeah, yeah. Uh, fits. Yeah. And so in 
how does the because because I haven't experienced the in person version of this. So how does the how does how does the interaction then between the different do people face each other? Do they interact? Do they dance? Do they like? Is it a there, free movement? It is. It is not a. So in principle, it is not a free movement because normally what happens is that even in in terms of movement, we all have our comfort zones. So if mm. if you, you 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 know how you dance. And, you know, because it's the way that Mark dances and everyone has their own way of dancing. If they go to clubs, it's you, you, you have your moves. Of course, every now and then you try out new things, but you have your moves. Yeah. So this means you have already your embodied coherence. And if we just leave the space open for people, just a free dance, just to go there where you normally move in the same way that you normally move, go there where you normally go. The spaces for learning are not going to be that big. So. It, it needs to be guided in order to invite people to move in different ways, to relate in different ways. And this is the, the invitation to move out of their comfort zone into their learning zone and start realizing that, hmm, th th there might be different possibilities for me to move through life, to move in my relationships that might open new possibilities for me to be. Uh, so it is, it is a semi-guided semi-guided dance journey um, that is also an invitation to go into trans states because when our we, we work also with the, the, the polarities of our nervous system and we invite people to go into e expanded states of consciousness where the lessons can be that come out of that are even deeper yeah, it's, it's not something that I understand only cognitively. It's something that my body is fully invested in. Uh, and, and, and this is a great way to learn that, that in a way we, we take little advantage of. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Like the dance sounds like a metaphor for how we perceive life, how we think about life, um, how we mm -hmm. can approach life. And mm -hmm. I, I love this sense of entering a kind of state of trance or even maybe a, a chance to suspend completely how we're even thinking or thinking at mm -hmm. all to, to exist in a space that we can almost get a glimmer of a hint of something and then come back into our own, let's say, regular consciousness, but having understood something absolutely fundamental or deep. Yes, uh, yes, that's it. You you described it described it perfectly. Is is we we journey into a place where we can remember what does it mean to be human, and then we come back with that experience in our bodies, and and with the regular practice of going there, remembering and coming back. Eventually, our our embodied self, our coherence, is starts shifting uh, into more life affirming dynamics. But this also sounds like the real antidote almost to you know and I, I know it's probably a bit of a a dated view to think of somebody lots of people going into an office with a shirt and a tie on and um, mm. so even if it isn't that isn't the reality for everyone's office experience anymore there does seem to be like a quite of a like a rigid and fixed you know almost like the approach of if you go to the gym and you just do certain mechanical movements up and down mm -hmm. completely straight ahead with very little kind of uh, horizontal movement or or different things like this 
this does really seem to be like a, a physical embodied way of just shaking, rattling our cages a little bit, like getting out of our structure um, mm-hmm. op- opening our minds up. And I'm not even just talking about like the working scenario because, you know, I'm, I'm often, I often find it very funny when people are having guests over and they're, they're all friends and people are stressing about their friends coming over. I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what are we doing in life that we're uptight about people we love coming to s- spend time with us? Like, what, what, what are we doing? So I don't know. I, there's something I, uh, there's something in what you're, what you're I, I'm clearly very passionate about that I think is, it's a real antidote to some of that stiffness or that stuckness that I, th- I think a lot of people experience in life. Yes, definitely. Um, it is, it teaches us also to be resilient hmm. um, and, and, and to be able to adjust and adapt while at the same time teaches you how to put boundaries, say no, and stand for what you believe. Yeah. Because as, as, it's not only about just accommodating myself. Yes, resilient could could be understood as that. I, I have so adaptable that I can accommodate myself to everything. Yes and no, because there are some moments in which accommodating yourself is actually a bad idea. It's a bad strategy. So it it it, it also helps you to to build those core um, embodied dispositions of of being resolute when you need to be resolute of being open when you need to be open of being flexible when you need to be creative of being grounded when you need to stand your ground of being expansive when you need to expand or bring your energy in when you need to bring it in and this is as you were saying these are metaphors of the things that we actually need in life on on a daily basis how how have you found implementing some of the uh like be a dancer in 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 corporate settings and mm. like i like i i'd be you know perfectly honest like before i did that course at you i was like oh my god i'm gonna have to dance in front of other people <laughs> um and it turned out to be my favorite part of it uh, coming from i'm sure maybe the culture is different like i know you mentioned before growing up in colombia versus yeah, growing yeah. up as an irish man where we need 10 points of guinness uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh but I but I absolutely loved it. But I, I would think that if if I heard that I I almost this was coming into my my workspace and that this is going to be something I have to do, I think I'd almost be once I'd have been even more uh, petrified. But like yeah, I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine that it has very like in particularly in that setting, it could have really profound effects. It 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 has yes, but but you're right. One, one of the principles that we have in, in our work is, is to meet people where they are. And, mm-hmm. and there is a big difference between me teaching uh, uh, Biodanza in an open group. So this means with people that want to be there, that have chosen consciously to be there, than offer Biodanza in an organizational context where, in most cases, people didn't freely chose to be there, but they were somehow brought there as a part of any kind of organizational development program or initiative. So uh, taking into consideration this this principle of meeting people where they are, um, in in an open session, we normally start the sessions standing in a circle, gathered by the hands. This is a very powerful metaphor because in a circle, there is nobody that is above or on top of anyone or below of anyone or there is no one that is in front of anybody else or behind anybody else. It's like, we are all in the same line. We're all the same level. We're all in the same, we're all connected. 
and and this this is a, a metaphor of of co-creation of the safe space for us to be able to co-create yeah and and that's the starting point in, in an open group in some organizational contexts i i've needed to to go to step minus two not even step zero and end the process in step one this means that in some cases after a one day workshop two day workshop i've been able to invite a team to stand at the end of the workshop to stand in a circle look into each other's eyes acknowledge each other's presence and hold each other's hand as a metaphor of the, the togetherness that they share and this has been powerful enough for them yeah 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 it's um you know, when we were talking about maybe underutilizing, um, I don't want to make it resources so human sounds so uh, something like mm -hmm. uh, that their, their inherent value is from a product, uh, productivity point of view. But when we were talking about just the elements of relationships that we don't connect with that could really lead to us having much more enjoyable, prosperous lives in terms of the connection we feel with one another, this very simple act of just looking into each other's eyes <laughs> like it, it's yeah sometimes i think the solutions don't have to be that complicated we just almost have mm. to remember you know how a baby's eyes may constantly look for the eyes of mm. of another like uh, um there's something deeply connecting and also something that almost sheds a lot of our judgment and our conditioning of what we think of somebody else just merely by mm -hmm. looking at them in the eyes. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And, and of course, in, in an organizational setting, we then debrief the, this type of experiences, make sense together, this, this, this type of experiences, and then support the teams to, to, to bring this into something that is useful for them in their day-to-day. -day. Yeah, it's, it's not only in an organizational setting, it's not only having the experience, but that making sense of the experience is, as, is equally as important. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it is, it is embodiment, the way that we see it in an organizational context is, is one other approach that is not necessarily helping teams to move forward, but it's helping teams to go deeper. And that sense of depth is what supports the creation of trust and the feeling of togetherness, which, as we have said a couple of times already in this call, are foundational for then teams to be able to move forward how they want to move forward. You, you know, I think... Um... Just when we've mentioned trust, like just in a, even in a general way of human relating, I, I think we often think of trust as almost like that that's something that can be earned if somebody behaves perfectly. You know, and if you continuously do the right thing by me, then you will earn my trust. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I think as yeah. when we consider even in very potentially loving relationships that we can still hurt each other. And, 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 you know, this could even just be with siblings, with whoever, like, uh, you know, we can still hurt each other, um, even mm -hmm. in very loving relationships. So I, I, I think again, so much of the, the trust, you know, even at the very start of the conversation, you were saying like, there's a relationships in, in a, in an intimate sense with a partner, with a lover, it's so much of it's driven by fear. We both had that shared experience of fear being a big driver of our behavior. But 
I don't know, there's something about just really even the idea of looking at someone um, and the idea of trying to build intimacy and trust is, and then, and the idea of really just looking at someone is like, there's, there's something deeper even beyond our functional ideas of conditional trust that I think Mm -hmm. we can, we can connect with, with, through some of the, even the modalities or the ideas that you're, you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Mark, because uh, trust is, is, is something that I consider fundamental for teamwork, especially in an organizational context. Teamwork cannot exist and is not going to work, is not going to function if, if there is no trust. As, and everybody can agree with that. Yeah, if there is no trust, we, we might as well be just a group of people trying to do something together, but not really a team. Yeah. So, and, and, but what I have seen in, in, in introducing this concept of trust in, in teamwork is that most people intuitively know what trust is, but have difficulties explaining what that is and putting it into words. And, and why is that important? Is that because if we cannot create an, an, a useful operational definition of trust, then we cannot actually work on the trust levels in a relationship. Yeah, consciously, we cannot do it because we don't really understand what we're talking about, even if we have the somatic experience of feeling trust or feeling distrust in, in some moments. Yeah? So, so one of the things that I, I do with the team is, is try to define what trust is. And, and just very briefly, in a nutshell, if you're interested, I can share with you what, how I define uh, trust. Yeah, yeah, please, yeah. Which is, first of all, trust is an emotion. It's something that is felt. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's something, of course, it has a cognitive component, and we'll get to that. But it's something that you experience in your body. Yeah, if you find yourself in a, 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 during the night in a dark alley and you see somebody coming, you feel in your body if you can trust, if it's a trustful situation or not. And depending on the judgment that you make and the feelings that you have, you will make certain decisions. Yeah, so it's something that involves the whole self the experience of trust or distrust. That is important to acknowledge. The second thing is that it's it's an emotion that affects positively or negatively the action coordination between people within a setting of of a team or in a loving relationship as well. So if I, if I, if you consider, if you judge that every time that I say that I'm going to be on time here, I am, then it's going to be much easier for you to trust me uh, the next time that we are planning to do something together. Yeah. And on the other hand as well, if I'm never there where I'm, where I'm supposed to be, then you're going to be extra cautious whenever you want to coordinate actions with me in the future. Yeah? So it's, it's an emotion. It's a lived embodied experience that affects positively or negatively the action coordination between people. That's one thing. And then cognitively speaking, there is a... Um, a traditional way of understanding trust, which is the judgment that I have about a person, which is expressed normally in I don't trust you or I don't trust this person or I trust you. Yeah, as you can see, in that way of using the definition of trust, we are we are judging the whole self because of something that he or she might have done or not. Yeah, and again, this is not an this one is the big problem when it comes to trust is that when we judge the whole self, then because I cannot change the self, then I cannot change the levels of trust in that relationship. 
I cannot make you change. So then if I don't trust you and I, I judge you untrustworthy, then, then I might as well just leave it because I, I cannot do anything. So, but then the, the question is, how do we change the definition of, of trust in order to make it operational? And the way that I do it is, is that it's not the judgment that I have of one someone, is the judgment that I have of the actions of someone in a specific domain. As you can see, there is this is a different judgment. This is, is not the judgment of the person, it's the judgments of the action of the person, and not all actions of the person, but the actions right. in a specific domain. Yeah? yeah. And 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 then there are three different uh, sub-judgments, and which is the sincerity, is how much do I judge that what you're telling me is what you're thinking? How much is the judgment that I have regarding the coherence between your inner conversation and what you're telling me, your outer conversation? That's one. The second one is competency, which is the, the specific domains. What do I mean by that? We are all, all humans are trustworthy to do some things, more or less to do others, and not at all to do others. Yeah, it's, it's not that a human being is trustworthy to do everything. So it is important to talk about competencies. Is uh, what, what am I competent on? What am I competent for? And then am I able to build trust on those areas where I'm competent and also say whenever I'm not competent to do something so that people can also trust me when I say no. And, and the third one, very briefly, is, uh, is reliability, is the history, is what I was saying before about, and this you can see this very well in companies because companies can also be reliable. And some of them, for example, really sell themselves. The, the auto industry is about, it's all about reliability and innovation. Yeah. So if, if you buy a car and that car is amazing and is most likely that whenever you're in, in the market for another car, you will buy a car from the same, um, the same uh, kind of car because it has been trustworthy. On the other hand, as well, if the car is all the time breaking down, you're not going to buy another car from, from this company. So, so this is the way that, that we present trust in order for people to start checking their relationships and saying, hmm, where do I feel that, they, why do I feel that the trust in this relationship is not great? It might be because I've, I judge that this person has not been sincere with me. It, it's because this person is, it says that is competent in some things when he or she really isn't. But it has been because in the past, this person has said that they want to, they, they will do something they haven't. Um, and, and using that definition, then teams and, and partners can actually have different conversations than I trust you or don't, is whenever you do this, my judgment is that you could be, you could, you could do it even better in order for me to increase the trust that I have on you when you do that. You see the yeah. difference? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, there's, I don't know, there's, there's the element of trust, you know, when you mentioned earlier, just the idea of reimagining society. Um, I know when we, like the different elements that we even talked about it at that stage, but like, I do think that this trust just amongst each other, um, whether in organizations, outside of organizations, I, mm -hmm. I think this could be one of the fundamental leaps that we have forward that could undo a lot of the harm that we're doing, um, whether it's in relationships, environmentally, whatever it may be. I, I think there's there's something, whether it's through trust and human connection, I think there's so, 
those are two areas that I think are so kind of ripe for new ways because I, th- I think those are some of the areas that we're suffering in the most as well as as human beings. And, and I think they're areas that we we really underappreciate. So I think the the different uh, the different layering of that I think is really interesting for people to contemplate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with you. It, it it is part of this this quantum leap that we are this transition yeah. that I believe we're all in. Yes, Pablo, just conscious of the the time here. Um, I was laughing at one point in my head there, uh, thinking. Only with you, I could have a conversation around the traditional and non-traditional ideas of relating and relationships, bio dance, and then corporate work as as well, all in the same conversation. <laughs> a unique, a unique trifecta of interests, um, but all all somewhat connected as well, I believe. Um, but just over the course of the relationship, look, you've talked so much about the importance of relating, honesty, openness, communication, and um, awareness, even around fear but also like an openness to your own humanity, to, to, to the other person's humanity, just this idea even then of seeing things, embodying things, feeling things, you know, the idea of building resilience, being creative, uh, building flexibility in our approach, using, using these ideas of Biodanza as a metaphor for life to engage in life and, and to feel again. And then obviously this big element of trust that we've just touched on as well. Uh, look, you've, you've given so many interesting angles i think for people to contemplate but to to ask you the final question uh, pablo what what is a good life for you sir a good life is a life where the relationships that are around me are clean mm. in the sense that the communication is so clear and transparent that we can actually see one another. I believe that's a key element to have a good life. I I would echo those sentiments 100%. And I know mm-hmm. I've said there's underappreciated areas of life, but I don't I think that is possibly one of the most underappreciated elements of just how clean your relationships are. That doesn't mean everyone's behaving perfectly. It just means there's absolute transparency of what is and an acknowledgement and a mm. sharing of that. So Pablo, I'm, I'm so happy that we had this conversation Um really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the, on the, what is a good life podcast. I'll be, I'll be hitting you up for some parenting advice in the next few weeks. <laughs> Who knows, maybe Please we'll see do. each other in yes. Berlin. <laughs> yes, we're actually, so every now and then we meet down in the street because we're rather somehow neighbors. So yeah, yes, yeah. Mark, please, please feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for this invitation, um, for this platform, for this, this space. Super happy always to connect to you.